Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. Um, Isaiah chapter 6. He said, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. You know, it's a good chance that he saw Jesus. It's a good chance that he saw Jesus. There's a good chance that Uzziah, that Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, saw Jesus sitting on the throne. It's a picture, a picture, a vision of the heavenly ministry of Jesus that's taking place right now. He saw him high and lifted up. He was on the throne. And his, the train of his robe was filling the temple. The seraphim were standing above him. So the, he saw the seraphim with their, their wings, each having six wings. With two, each covered his face. With two, each covered his feet. And with two, they each flew. And one called out to another. They were calling out to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies and the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I believe it. Everyone say the whole earth is full of his glory. Say it again. The whole earth is full of his glory. The foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, woe to me, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips in the presence of God. His uncleanness became so clear to him. He said, I live among a people of unclean lips. The whole world, the culture that I live in, it's foul. It's dirty. It's, 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 it's ungodly. It's an ungodly world. Isaiah saw it clearly in the presence of God. And you will too. You won't want to be like them. You won't want to talk like them or dress like them or act like them. In His presence, you see their filthiness and you want to cover your face like the seraphim. Come on, somebody. For woe to me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand which he had taken from the altar with tongs, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and the atonement is made for your sin. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? The us being Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. That's what happens in His presence. You want to tell somebody. And He said, go and tell this people. Keep on listening, but do not understand. Keep on looking, but do not gain knowledge. Make the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, and their eyes blind, and their eye, and, and so that they will not see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. Then I said, how long, Lord? And he answered, until cities are devastated and without inhabitant, houses are without people, and the land is utterly desolate. You know, this is a passage that Jesus quoted a number of times. Paul quoted it. Actually, it was the last thing that we see in the end of the book of Acts is parts of this passage. Now I want to 
share with you from John 12, where John quoted two passages of Isaiah, one out of Isaiah 53 and one out of this passage that we read. Listen carefully to what he said. Lord, who has believed our reports? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Have you believed his reports? Has the arm of the Lord, the arm of the Lord, the power of God, the anointing of God, the dunamis, has the arm of the Lord been revealed to you? I hope so. He so who has believed our report? Somebody say, me, 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 I've believed his reports. The arm of the Lord has been revealed to me, but there's more. For this reason, um, John says, they could not believe. They could not believe. Their eyes were blind. Their ears were closed. Their heart was cold. And they couldn't believe. For Isaiah said again, He's blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so they will not see with their eyes and understand with their heart and be converted. And so I will not heal them. Now then, listen to this. This is a powerful statement. These things Isaiah said because he saw his glory And spoke about him. It's not an accident that Isaiah's book contains such a great revelation of Jesus. It's filled with the revelation of Jesus. It talks about his virgin birth. It talks about him being the wonderful counselor, the everlasting father, the mighty God, the prince of peace. It talks about his healing ministry, about opening the eyes of the blind, the deaf hearing and the lame leaping for joy. He describes in great detail the crucifixion of our Lord's. He talks about his millennial reign. He talks about his heavenly ministry. All of these things that Isaiah saw and wrote about and preached about 700 B.C. came because he was in the temple on the year of Uzziah's death and he saw the Lord and his eyes were opened. That's why Isaiah prophesied like he did. Isaiah saw his glory and he spoke about him. When you see His glory for yourself. When you taste His glory for for yourself. When His presence becomes real to you. You can't help yourself. You have to speak about Him sometimes. You got to tell somebody something sometimes. If you've seen His glory. Isaiah saw his glory and he had to write, he had to preach, he had to prophesy. He had no recourse because he had seen the Lord high and lifted up. He had seen Jesus enthroned. And he had to, he had to praise him. So here's a blog I wrote about this. Isaiah was obviously one of the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. His revelation of Christ was only surpassed by John the Baptist as far as Old Testament prophets go. This passage gives us a look at how Isaiah saw what he saw and he gave the world a prophetic look at the coming Messiah. It started for Isaiah when he saw the Lord in the temple. In that passage in Isaiah 6, Isaiah spoke of God's glory, his own sinfulness, and, dis- and, dis- and well, 
yeah, and, and displayed his calling as a prophet. The revelation of Christ in the book of Isaiah came from this God encounter. Isaiah began to prophesy from that time as one with eyes wide open. In today's passage, he shows us why people cannot believe simple gospel truth. Their eyes are closed and their hearts are hard. Their, their eyes have to be open. You can't reason and rationalize and convince someone the gospel story. All you can do is share the simple truth. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's all you need to share. That's it. It becomes a sword. It becomes a weapon. And it begins to open eyes and open ears and open hearts. It breaks the chains of darkness. So, yeah, the only answer is, is, is this somehow to see God's glory as Isaiah did. And now I'm not saying that your encounter will be as dramatic as Isaiah's. But it's only in his light that we begin to see light. Here's Matthew Henry talking about this. He says, the vision which the prophet there had of the glory of God is here said to be his seeing the glory of Jesus Christ. He saw his glory. He saw his glory. He saw the glory of Jesus Christ seated on the throne in that temple. Jesus Christ, therefore, is equal in power and glory with the Father. And his praises are equally celebrated. Christ had a glory before the foundation of the world. And Isaiah saw this. Wow. You know, Jesus said that. He said that about Abraham. He said, um, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it, and he was glad. Isaiah, the same thing. Isaiah saw the glory of Christ 700 years before it ever happened. Today we can see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. We open the New Testament, and we find Him there. The Gospels, especially John's Gospels, John's Gospel are streaming with revelation light. Open the book. This is where the glory of Christ can be seen. Open it for yourself. Read the Gospels again. Read the Gospel of John over and over again. Let it become your bread. Let it become your air. Read the book of John over and over again until it becomes part of your life. Until you begin to see Christ for yourself. And you see His glory. And you have to speak about His glory. Gather it church with the other believers. He can be found there as well. Once you see the glory of God in His Son, in His Son Jesus, your whole world will be seen through this gospel light. Like Isaiah, after you see His glory, you will happily speak to anyone who will listen about the Lord. Wow. You know, um, let me let me share one other thing here that I have. Let me, I've got, as usual, I have way too many notes and um I've got notes for a seminar that last a week, but I'm just going to, I'm going to, um, I want to share this one, this, because this, and then we'll have prayer ministry. This blog is called Honey. Everyone say Honey. And it comes from a quote that, what if my, my favorite of all favorites is Jonathan Edwards. Um, and this is the scripture. He says, I would feed you with the finest of wheat, Psalm 81, 16, and with honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. Now the rock is Christ, right? And you, you come to this rock and there's honey coming from the rock. Sweetness. He's sweet. 
Honey from the, everyone say honey from the rock. I love that. Honey from the rock. Taste is a really interesting phenomenon. Have you ever thought about taste and smell? Who thought about that? Who, who, who even envisioned, who even came up with the concept of, of taste and smell? Before there was anything, before there were animals, before there were humans, before there were taste buds, who thought about, came up with the concept of taste and taste buds and noses and smells and fragrances? All of that is God, of course, His idea. Who thought about and caused different things. He caused different things to have taste and gave us the ability to discern the various tastes of different things. You know, there's some things that smell really nice and some things that don't smell so nice. You know, I have a camper and I was, I was laying in my camper a, a, a little over a week ago and I was just dozing off to sleep. I had the window open because it was nice and cool outside and suddenly this horrible smell started coming into my into my trailer it was a skunk it was so vile it actually the smell woke my dogs up and it got to the point i thought it got so strong that i know peppy lepew had to be just outside my window and i wasn't going to look out there because it was so strong i thought i was going to vomit at any minute it was just it was gross so, you know, God created smells. He created Pepe Le Pew and he created roses and he created all sorts of fragrances. And he created these smells to attract us and, and gumbo smells so good so that we'll eat it. All of that. It's an attraction, right? So our creator is amazingly creative and most of the time his mysteries pass right by us. This description of the Lord is honey from the rock. Is very interesting. Christ is the rock, the foundation and building stone of the kingdom of God. He's also the honey that comes from the rock. Only he could be called sweeter than honey. The verse reveals to us the experiential nature of our Christian faith. It's not knowing facts and information that makes us a Christian. It's tasting him for ourselves. It's not repeat this prayer. Now you're saved, even though that's how it happens many times. How it happens is when you taste Jesus for yourself. When he becomes real to you and opens your heart. So yeah, like David and later the Apostle Peter said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Not only did the Lord give us natural senses like seeing, hearing, tasting and smelling. He also gives the, those who are born again the ability to taste or perceive as real the things of the kingdom of God. Now here's the famous Paragraph from Jonathan Edwards. This was classic. He was, this was one of the things he was criticized for was his talking about experimental or experiential Christianity. And he used honey as the, as the example many, many, many times. He, he talked about not being able to understand or describe what honey tastes until you taste it for yourself. You can't tell someone what honey is like until you actually put it on your tongue. You have to taste it. You have to, or it's not real to you. In the exercise of this new sense of mind, Edward said, in spiritual and divine things is entirely diverse from anything that's perceived in them by natural men, as the sweet taste of honey is diverse from the ideas men get of honey by only looking on it and feeling of it. 
So that spiritual perceptions, which a sanctified and spiritual person has, are not only diverse from all that natural men have, after the manner that the ideas or perceptions of the sense may differ one from another, but rather as the ideas and sensations of different senses do differ. I know Edwards is hard to understand, but listen to this last sentence. Hence, the work of the Spirit of God in regeneration is often in Scripture compared to the giving of a new sense. Being born again is compared to the opening of the eyes or the opening of the ears. He says all through the scriptures, the Lord compares regeneration or the new birth experience. Is, that's why it's called the, a great awakening. Is when your senses are opened up. It's new birth. Hence, the work of the Spirit of God in regeneration is often in scripture compared to the giving a new sense. Giving eyes to see. And ears to hear, unstopping the ears of the deaf and opening the eyes of them that were born blind and turning them from darkness unto light. Jesus is sweeter than you can imagine to those who know him. Solomon famously called him altogether lovely. He, he really is sweeter than honey is flowing from the rock called Christ. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you, Lord. So, you know, that's, that's why it's so important. You know, there's a, there has to be both of these things in our life. I believe in the Word of God. I believe in teaching the Word of God. I believe in preaching the Word of God. But that alone is not enough. The Pharisees knew the Bible better than anyone sitting in this room ever will know it. They memorized the entire Pentateuch. They could quote it. They knew it. It was in their heads, but it wasn't in their hearts. That was the problem. So it's not about knowing the Scriptures. It's about knowing Him. He said, you search the Scriptures and they testify of me, Jesus said. But you don't. But your hearts are far from me. You worship me with your lips. You worship me with your lips, Jesus said, but your heart is far from me. Now, what is that? That's someone that's never tasted the sweetness of honey. You have to taste. And that's the beauty. That's the, the beauty of Pentecost. That's the beauty of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's the beauty of the anointing. The anointing gives us the taste, the sense. That's so critical. The Word and the Spirit. Everyone say, the Word and the Spirit. That's, that's it. The Word and the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit, both. Which do you need? Which is more important? Which is number one? Which is number two? Yes. Yes. They're both. Which is more important? Air or water? Yes. Which is more important? Is it one, two, three, air, water, food? No, it's, it's air, water, food, all. Number one, we all, we need all three or we'll die. Water, our spirit and the word, the spirit and the word, the spirit and the word, the spirit and the word. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information. Thank you.